Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show for you today. And are you as in love with the new theme song as I am? I know. It's so good. Listen, before we dive into today's show, I want to take a brief moment and thank one of our partners, Nutrafol. You guys, did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If that's you or someone you love, just know you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. And so many of them talk about how it not only transformed their hair, but it also helped restore their confidence. I get that. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding. Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of that clogged shower drain? Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. Uh, None of us have any issues with those, do we? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. You guys know that I love using natural products whose ingredients are trustworthy, which is why it really matters to me that Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. Instead, they use medical-grade botanicals and effective dosages, so you get the most reliable results possible. I'm a sucker for a quiz. You know this, and I bet you are too. So if you go to their website, Nutrafol.com, you can take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs. And I, I always see better results the more personalized the products are. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code SOUNDSFUN. And new customers will get a 20% off. You guys, this is the best offer available anywhere. Plus free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. And the promo code is SOUNDSFUN. Speaking of great hair, today on the show is my buddy, Tyler Merritt. You may know him from his viral video from 2018 that actually made the rounds again in 2020 called Before You Call the Cops. He goes to my church here in Nashville, serves in the kids' area every week that we're in church, and he's just one of the best dudes. And I've been wanting to sit down with him and hear more about his story and his life. And we ended up talking a lot of Broadway, you guys. Get ready. And friends, I know a lot of my mini BFFs listen to the show. Hi, mini BFFs. And today's show is excellent, but I, it may be one, parents, that you want to listen to first, just so you can prepare to have conversations that come along with a lot of what Tyler and I talk about as we talk about racial reconciliation and loving our policemen friends well and their spouses well and loving our neighbor well. There's just a lot that may be good for you to have a heads up before you listen with your kids. So here is my buddy, Tyler Merritt. Okay, we have to talk about Hamilton. Sure. In your extra viral video, it's not even viral. We're going to call it extra Extra. viral. Yeah. You show a picture and you say, this is my brother, James. Yeah, yeah. Is that Aladdin from <laughs> Yes, from, that is Tony Award-winning yes. Broadway actor James Monroe Iglehart for Aladdin, who's now playing Thomas Jefferson Lafayette. Yes, in Hamilton. Yeah. he's Hamilton. And he was also part of Freestyle Love Supreme. Yeah, yes. Yeah. How do you know him? Oh, man. Do you use brother biologically? <laughs> oh, well, if you were to ask James, he would say 100%. Yes. But him and I, we, we aren't biological, but you can't tell us any different. 
Yeah. Like, I was in his wedding. Okay. We're, we're, it's, it's hard. We talk How? almost every day. Where do you start? Okay, so I did theater professionally before I moved to, to Nashville doing music, right? Oh, okay. So I, I played in a band in, in California. Okay. And did theater there. And James and I, <laughs> James and I ran into each other at an audition for a musical called Children of Eden, which was written by Stephen Swartz. Okay. And um, the story of the audition is hysterical because we were in this room. It was a callback. And they would have, n- this callback is still the weirdest callback we'd ever been in. <laughs> I've there never were, been in one at all. So okay. tell me more. So basically they, they asked all of us to come into a room. Okay. And they brought us all into a room and went, okay, we're going to have you all sing this verse and chorus of this song. And they, it was kind of a setup because the director knew who James was. I had never uh. worked with this company. So he's first, and there's like 12 of us, say, mm-hmm. right? And all in the same room. James starts first. There's like 10 people, and there's me and two people after me or whatever, right? The director says, all right, go ahead, sing, James. And James sings this huge, if you've ever heard James sings, he's, yes. he's a beast. Yes. Okay? James sings this verse, and he just goes like, what? Right? And the person next to him goes, um... How am I supposed to follow that? And then there's like this nervous laughter all the way down the line. (laughs) But me being like, I don't know you. What? I'm down here like, you know, almost towards the end. And we get to me. And I and he's she's like, okay, go ahead. And I go and I do kind of an R&B version with a little bit of Broadway thing to it. And at the end, the person next to me goes, how how am I supposed to go after that? Again, nervous laughter. Yeah. James and I look down the the thing at each other. And we're like, okay. As soon as we do (laughs) that, we walk towards each other. We shake hands. And we have been... Best friends ever since. We found out at that moment, we both at the time worked for Blockbuster. We both like sang in our church. We we were like, are we the same people? Do you mean you worked at a Blockbuster? Oh, we both worked at a Blockbuster. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know if you meant Blockbuster Inc. No. We both worked at a Blockbuster. This was was in 2001. Yeah. So, and then then we just, we were in separate. Do you know sometimes when you have moments where you connect with somebody on a level that you know that it's bigger than the moment. Yeah, totally. That was that was James and I. And then we did Children of Eden. They cast some dude from New York who uh-huh. was horrible. <laughs> I don't care if he hears this. Yeah. He was horrible. <laughs> then James and I fought it out a little bit for a couple of the solos within the show. Is this in L.A.? Is this that is in um, San Jose. Oh, okay. So in Northern California, they do a ton of theater. Yes. And, and, they, and outdoor, they pay Outdoor, right? There's a lot of outdoor There's outdoor, yeah. but they pay... Professional, they pay yeah. professionals pretty well, and you don't have to work as part of the union. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so James and I have been best friends ever since, and so I came to Nashville, be to do music. He stayed. He ended up writing a musical called Memphis. He rode Memphis into New York. Okay. And so, yeah, that's kind of the story. I see. I think I've seen him in both roles. Probably. I've seen him as Aladdin, and I think he was the last Washington Lafayette. Is that who yeah, you said it was? Yeah. Washington Lafayette. Yeah. yeah. Thomas Jefferson think, Lafayette. Oh, he Jefferson took Davi Lafayette, Diggs' sorry. role, essentially. Yes. Got it. Okay. Who is also in the family of friends of people. So I'm sorry. Well, let me just be clear. The theater, Your let me let me friends? be very clear. Wait, hold on. Let me be clear. I can't breathe. The no, let me be very clear. <laughs> I'm really into the this. The theater community is really, really small. Okay. Yes, like yes. it's super duper small, mm-hmm. right? So David is from the Bay Area. Right, okay. in which where we were at. So I know David loosely through James because David is also a part of kind of the rap syndicate that is all of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know that guy? Oh, yeah, you know that guy. Well, so. my the Hamilton I saw, 
is I'm, I'm blanking on his name right in a second, but the guy who played Hamilton that I saw it the first time was so extraordinary in okay. New York. I, I sure, sure. could not believe how good he was. I'll think of his name in a second. But I was sitting with my friend Jenna Claire, who's Glinda yeah, on, yeah, in Wicked. Yeah. And I was like, well, you, I mean, he's the most incredible. And she was like, well, let me just text him. And I was like, wait, no, wait, what? No, I didn't mean you. What? And apparently he used to be Fierro and he he started in Waitress. And Sure, right. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone on Broadway I'll tell you what's everyone. also very, very interesting about Broadway. And most Broadway actors will not tell you any different. Broadway actor is the armpit of the entertainment industry. Okay? <laughs> that is not true. It is. I, I am telling you right now. You want? Let me what tell you. What do you mean? Yes, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. James is famous for three blocks. Uh-huh. Okay. James works eight days, eight shows a week. Yeah. Harder than I'm I'm gonna go shoot a TV show probably in a couple months. Yes. I will work for two days, uh-huh. get paid a grip of money. Yeah. Have like one or two takes, all right, and be done. Yes. Come back, get residuals off of that. That's and right. that's a wrap. That's right. James will still be working. Right. Eight shows a eight week. Eight shows a week. Killing it. Yep. Like like absolutely killing it. Walks, he walks out of the stage door. And people are going, oh, my goodness, James Hagelhart. About two blocks from there, he can't get a cab. Yeah. Okay? And then, <laughs> right. then at around two blocks, someone will stop him after he's murdered it on stage. Uh-huh. Okay? After uh-huh. he has killed it in Hamilton, one of the biggest musicals in history, someone's going to walk up to him and go, aren't you that guy from Kimmy Schmidt? Right. Oh, I bet he does get that all the time. <laughs> right? I That's what I'm telling about you. That. He does look so much like the guy from Kimmy no, Schmidt. No, he's in Kimmy Schmidt. He plays the He's opposite. The- he plays so he in Kimmy Schmidt. That guy has an arch nemesis. Yes, that's James. Oh, you're exactly right. I forgot about that. So he really is in Kimmy Schmidt. Really, I thought you meant he was the main. Why he also he gets called him too. That's yes. just that's. But that's what I'm saying. But you know, we all. I mean, the the funny part of level of fame is if you aren't a Brad Pitt or if you aren't a Jimmy Fallon, you are a. Do I do I know you from? It happens to me in the airport. Hey. Oh yeah. I think. Oh yeah. Sorry, are you? Sure. And you're like, oh yeah. No, that's especially in black world, man. I've been Derek Henry. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's because your hair too. The dreads. Right. Right. Back when I was in China years ago, people Uh were like, Shaq, Shaq. I'm like, really? I don't. Is this is this what we're doing now? Were you working in China? No, I was on mission trips years ago. Okay. Years ago, I was young. Uh, Okay, I need you to take me from growing up in Vegas to Nashville, like states. California's in there. Yep. So. Grew up in Las Vegas, went from Las Vegas to Scotts Valley, which is outside of Santa Cruz, okay. Santa Cruz, California. Then from Santa Cruz, I was there for about eight years, and then from there I came to Nashville. And I've been oh, here okay. now for, I never can get how many years I've been here. Yep. I've been here since like 2003 or so. Okay. So, oh, OG, for yeah. real. Way before the traffic. <laughs> Way before, back when the music industry was a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Back when albums happened, not albums singles. Happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. I remembered the guy's name, Ryan Vasquez. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. so good. Listen, there are so many, as much, let, for a second, I, I, I'm not downplaying the fact that theaters aren't for the entertainment industry. It's just there's so much talent there. It's The unreal. most talented people in this industry do theater, and they get the least amount of credit for it and often are paid the least amount of money. Yes. So People, why aren't you up there? Why didn't you do that? Um, did you hear what I just said? You're so good. But did you hear what I just said? <laughs> oh, the, the... They work the hardest <laughs> with the least, the least amount of money. <laughs> like I, I. But you could have been Aladdin. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to you. 
You know, I'll tell you, not until Hamilton came back around did I even think to myself that I wanted to be in a show. Really? There just wasn't one that had a role? Because uh, here's here's an interesting, well, I won't tell you that. I had a conversation with Chris Jackson one uh-huh. time, Christopher Jackson. Yes. We were sitting outside. The original of the, Washington. The original Washington, yeah, who's also in the Heights. sitting outside talking to him. Yeah, normal, normal. Are you an In the Heights fan? Not oh, sh- man, this hurts my heart. Okay, I've, I've done the soundtrack once. I've had okay, it going okay. in my house while I was cleaning, so I'm okay. getting there. So there's there's some of us folks that are like, you can't know Lynn without knowing In the Heights. Oh, okay. Right? That's true. That's his OG. That's yeah. his OG show. And so Chris was in that show as well. Mm. In fact, a lot of people that have been in that yeah. show throughout the years have come over. And so when Chris was the last people to leave In the Heights, and we were sitting outside of the theater in New York, and there was a Dwayne Reed, which is like a Walgreens, yeah, you yeah. Know, across from us. And he, we were sitting on the, on the curb, and he's like, man... You need to know working in theater is a lot like going to Dwayne Reed sometimes, like working at Dwayne Reed's. I wake up, come to work. I have to work myself into being here. And, you yeah. know, and he was like, but when it when it works and how you feel with the audience, it's magic. Mm-hmm. But don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. It's a job. Yeah. You know, and I remember hearing that when I was thinking about, like, maybe stop writing music and kind of getting back into theater again. That spoke to me, man. I was like, if if I want to have a job I want to have a job that I love being at that's when I started thinking I never want to be in a show again unless I'm playing a role that I really really love yeah you know and that's kind of how that ended up but don't get me wrong I love musical theater in a way that is we can go rounds oh let's go all time wait hold on yeah we're going there Hamilton, who do you want to play? I would play George Washington's No Questions Asked Beyond a Shadow of a Doubt. It's Aaron the... Burr, No Questions Asked Beyond a Shadow of a Doubt. <laughs> I can do the whole thing. I can do every piece of Aaron Burr. It shouldn't be called Hamilton. It should be called, called Aaron, Aaron Burr. Burr. Aaron Burr is the star of that show. No question. He, he definitely works the hardest. Yes. Yeah. I, George Washington, I think, has such powerful moments. Yeah. Sings incredible songs and is on stage 20 minutes. Yeah. Sounds like, I'm down with Sounds that. like a good night. Sounds like a gig I Are you behind. also friends with Gregory Traco? Mm-mm. Do you know him? Okay, so he was the Chicago Aaron Burr while, during that run, and then he's in the New York cast now. And he, when I saw him, he was the first. The first time I saw it, he was Aaron Burr. So you saw it in Chicago for the first time? No, he was at um, in New York then. He was okay. on Broadway then. So my my boy Chris played Thomas Jefferson Lafayette in, in okay. Chicago. He was the original guy there. Okay, so yeah. you would be George Washington. 100% no questions asked. And it's changed over the years. Yeah. Like, originally I was like, maybe I'll be... But George is such has such a strong presence for such a small amount of work. I mean, when he says, "I want to sit under, sit under my own vine oh. and fig leaves," oh, I, it just could make it just could make you fall apart crying. No, every time. <laughs> it, you're you're a creator. You you write books. Mm-hmm. You tell your stories. It, it it really is underestimated the time that we're living in that we are blessed to be able to be a part of Lin-Manuel Miranda's mind. I think you're right. I 100% agree with you. We will, 100 years from now, they will look back and look at Lin's body of work and the Mm -hmm. art that he's created and will will consider him, I already think he's a genius, but he's brilliant on a level that is super significant. It's Mm -hmm. one thing to just write one really great song. Yes. It's another thing to write a two-hour show. One of my favorite lines in the show is, and, and it's a super overlooked line that nobody really talks about, but don't modulate the key and not debate with me. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm going to make a confession right here to you, Tyler Merritt. I don't understand what it means to modulate the key. Well, Because it didn't change the – the key doesn't change right there. No. It, 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 it's, it's a vocal term. It just means yeah. to don't raise – But don't, did Seabury do that? 
No, no, but it's 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 there's it's like a lot of references in this show. Just take it for the overall meaning of the picture. Okay, right? great. So Good. basically, okay. take it for the fact that he decided to use a musical term talking yes. about raising the stakes. Yes, don't change the tone. Don't change the tone. Don't yes. modulate the key and not debate with me. Yes, Man. it's so good, but Man. I cannot tell you how many times I've paused it and gone, I don't hear the key change here. What <laughs> no, is wrong with me? No, they don't actually modulate Thank the key you. in that moment. Thank they don't you. actually modulate God, the key. I feel so much better but, right now. But <laughs> just, there's so many moments when I first listened to that show, so many moments where I took off my headset uh-huh. or, or my headphones or whatever I was listening to and just threw it like, Oh, that's I good. Know. Okay, that's so, so good. We're there are a lot of us that are Hamilton super fans. Sure. Why do we go back to In the Heights? Oh man. Oh, oh man. In the Heights. Oh, for, first of all, you're gonna get to meet Lynn. Okay. You'll get to meet Lynn the way all of us theater people met him. Because it's more of his story, right? Um, not really. Oh, it's okay. his story, but it's it's first of all. Everybody that's involved, the the same pieces that are involved in Hamilton are also involved in, you have um, all all the same musical people, Mm -hmm. um, did birthday as well. How the show feels. Christopher Jackson is in it and plays his Uh best friend kind of in it as well. So you get to see who you fall in love with as, as George Washington. You get to see this relationship that starts with Lynn. In fact, a little, not a lot of people know this, they were on set. At in the heights, mm-hmm. in the middle of the show, right? And there's a part where Chris Jackson is hanging out in a bodega, right? And they're hanging out together. And so this this other number coming along, and live on set on, while the show's going on, Lynn walks over to Chris and goes, "I think I got another idea for my next show." No, it's called Hamilton, and they're talking about this on stage during <laughs> In the Heights, right? <gasps> so gosh. yeah, it's a great story. But all that to say, I can't even explain to you. Just the sheer idea of getting to meet Lynn. At, he, this, he was young when he wrote the show. Yeah. He was dreamy. Um, the fact that his show became so successful is... Because In the Heights won Tony's as well, right? Uh, In the Heights won Tony's as well. Yeah. Google Google Lynn's Tony Award speech for In the Heights. Okay, we'll put it's it in the... It's just co- so good. Okay. Uh, in fact, when, to- when James won the Tony Award... Uh-huh. Did you lose your mind? Well, we all knew who was going to win. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let me tell you why we knew who was going to win, though. This is a little inside thing. Oh, I'm so I ready. called James on Saturday because the Tonys were on Sunday. I called James and I said, yo, you've, you've been winning awards for playing the genie. First of all, this is what happened with him. They put him in the, the wrong category that year, in my opinion. Mm. He won the Tony for Best Supporting Actor in a Musical. For the genie. For the genie, which he should have been in Best Actor in a Musical. Yeah. But that year, there was no Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. There were a ton of people. Yeah. But in the other role, he seemed huge compared to all the other roles. So Got we it. all knew. Got and it. he had already ran, won a handful of awards, right? Okay. So had he won a Tony before? He hadn't won a Tony Award. Okay. So this was a big deal, though, because he had won, like, Actors Desk Award, I believe. Mm-hmm. But all of his speeches were very, like, hey, I'm so surprised. He was, I, I mean this respectfully because I'm a huge Taylor Swift yeah. fan. He was pulling a Taylor Swift where he was uh-huh. going, <gasps> Oh my gosh, I can't believe I won. And I'm going, James, at this point, bro. bro you're the only one you're not the, surprised. You're, right, surprised, you're the only one not surprised. Yeah. So I told him, I said, um, what's the only what's tell me the Tony Award speeches that you remember? And mm-hmm. he was like, I kind of only remember Lynn's. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, I know, exactly. I was like, so when you go up there and win, don't go up there and act like it's a big surprise for you. Go up there and do something that people are gonna remember. Yeah. Google James 
Oh, James's I can't wait to Tony watch. Tony Award winning speech as have well. Have you been to the Tonys before? I have not. I really want to go. It's yeah. something I've said to Jenna Claire a lot. I'm like, when you get nominated for Glinda, she'll be the longest running Glinda because of how long they haven't had Broadway. But you know, we, <laughs> it could at that point be a revival. Yeah. Yeah, the Tonys are tricky because you can only win a Tony if it's a revival or if it's a brand new show. So oh. she's going to have to leave. Got it. Leave and leave go. Leave Wicked and go do something. So she can't get it for Wicked. She can't get it for Wicked. No. It's hard for me to hear. I was really excited <laughs> to go to the Tonys. <laughs> I feel I mean, like I feel like are your re, are your listeners really going to be okay with the fact that we're talking about theater like this is a theater podcast beyond okay beyond. just want to make sure <laughs> they're, I, they're probably about it. probably surprised of going who knew this dude was so deep into this theater thing <laughs> I mean is I would wonder if fifty years ago if if this many people of color were winning Tony Awards no or yes oh man. I, I'm pausing because there's so many things you're talking about that I talk about in a project I'm working on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, um, Annie, I can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it has to do with content, right? Uh-huh. There were a few years back where we felt like the, you had the black shows, right? You had Ain't Misbehaving. You had Porgy and Bess. Color Purple. Shows, Color Purple. But even time, Color yeah. Purple was new. Yeah. Like, Color Purple falls into the new category of, yep. of black musicals. But no, you're right. Uh, here's the truth, though. Musical theater was not... There's also a history that ties into black people in that genre uh-huh. where young black men and young black women aren't being recruited to go into that industry the same way they are recruited for other things. Uh-huh. It's almost like you're, you, you're going to do sports or you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But for a young black man or a black woman to discover theater or discover musical theater or whatever – Sometimes it's economic, like it has to do with economic state. It, sure. um, it definitely has to do with if the arts are in your community. If you aren't aware that that thing exists, how do you come into that thing? Mm. When I was growing up, I didn't even understand the fact, and this is a true story. Yeah, I thought the TV show Different Strokes and um, Silver Spoons, uh-huh. and I thought we were just watching some people's houses. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> I really did. Like, it did not occur to me. These are people that are learning lines, going to a job, yeah, learning a script, and then making a TV show. Like, I, I just, I would, I love these shows, but I didn't get it. I know that sounds crazy, but I if you don't have about a... different strokes in so long. A, what a great pull. A, a, <laughs> I loved that Straight show. up. But in my, you know, growing up, I would see that show and- yeah. It didn't occur to me they were acting. Yeah. I just thought I was watching somebody's life. So how'd you go from that to wanting to be an actor? Oh, man. Simply put, it was an accident. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. I <laughs> I was supposed to go into, there was an elective. Uh-huh. Where I, into high school, you had to pick an elective. Sure. And I was going to pick Spanish because it was the easiest. Uh-huh. Spanish. Another language was the easiest? Well, it Must seemed be nice easy. to be as smart I, as you talk. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying it seemed easy in the sense of, could you really fail at, like, a beginning Spanish? You know what I mean? That's sure. kind of how I thought, sure. right? And all the Spanish classes were full, and so you had to pick a secondary elective, and I just loosely put theater because it seemed easy. If yeah. they would have had basketball, I would have probably had basketball. Yeah, were you an athlete in high school, too? Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And so I just chose theater, and all the Spanish classes were full. And it shaped your whole life. It's, it's, I talk about it. 
Yeah. And a project I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's 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 a lot, man. It's it's a lot. And so you're daily now, I mean you're acting like mm-hmm. you have something coming up tomorrow. You have things I have to go film a commercial in Ohio. In Ohio. In Ohio. I'm leaving here in about Two hours and driving oh, to Ohio. My gosh, and yeah. filming a commercial there. Yeah, and then doing maybe TV in the future in the next couple of months. Um, hopefully, hopefully, if, if many of your viewers are wonderful women over this summer, summer they probably watched a TV show called The Outer Banks, which is on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Right, right. Let's go. You can see me in Outer Banks if you're in a in one of the episodes. I think episode <gasps> three. Uh, episode three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I didn't know that. Right. You'll now that I say it, you will never not know it. Now that I've said that, you will never not know That's that right. I'm in that episode. Gosh, I worked on uh, a show called Kevin Probably Saves the World. It was on ABC yeah. for a little while. Um, and you can do all that from here. You don't have to move to LA because acting works in region. Fil- films works in like it's regional, right? Okay. So all like the the New York shows, like Law and Order, and all that. Uh-huh. That's regional, kind of based with New York. And yep. but. Atlanta has become a huge hotspot yeah. for actors. So I have an agent in Atlanta and an agent here. So oh, between it. that, you know, you kind of get submitted for things and you kind of go and Can work. Can we get and... you on a Hallmark Christmas movie? I just shot a Lifetime <gasps> Christmas movie. What? Wait, what? You shot? Yeah, Are I you the... Shot, uh, no, I'll tell you. I just shot a Lifetime Christmas movie with Jenna Kramer. I don't oh, know if you Jenna Kramer. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be in a Lifetime Christmas movie. Yeah, it's called, it's called A Welcome Home Christmas. And it's coming out this year, it's coming obviously. coming out this year. We just shot it. It was one of the first projects that came back in um, during COVID. Oh. <laughs> but let me be very clear, though. Let me be very, very clear. Let COVID, me be clear. We're very into this. COVID made, COVID made this really complicated uh-huh. because... <laughs> I, 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 let me just say this. If, uh, as much as I love... I've done a lot of things, uh-huh. right? I'm work. I, I, there's something having to do with Marvel that I, re, that I shot to, that comes out in a little bit. Yeah. I told my mom that I was in a Christmas movie, uh-huh. and she finally was like, "My child has made it." That's a that is my, the my, real, real. My mom was genuinely like, <laughs> "You've arrived, son. You have come to a place now where yes. I feel free telling my friends what you do." Yes, you're like, you can see me on Netflix right now. That's not <laughs> enough. That's nothing. That's I'm on not, a lifetime. Christmas I'm on a lifetime movie? Christmas movie. Okay, but so was it awesome? It, well, let me tell you, COVID has complicated <laughs> things. I, I'm telling you, that's something that people aren't aware. Because of how COVID works, mm-hmm. they've minima- they've minimized cast. Like, the cast oh, list started sure. out really huge. Yeah. And then went down to, like, 10 people. Yeah. And I was supposed to be in, I'm at the very top of the show, the very top of the movie. Yeah. Right? And then I was supposed to come back for the finale of the movie. Yeah. And they cut it because of COVID. Not oh, cut wow. it, but... They rewrote. Things around, they yeah. rewrote it, you know. But I'm in, I'm gonna see with Jenna at the very very top of the movie. If that, oh, t- I I, can't wait. I talked to Jenna at the very top of the movie. And if yes. you watch oh, Christmas we movies, watch. if you watch Christmas movies, they're, they're so similar in so many ways. But I love them. Which, so, where'd they film it? Atlanta. And they filmed it. They filmed it in in Tennessee. <gasps> and yeah. Was it all snowy and all sorts it of fake wasn't, snowy? It wasn't. But it wasn't. But they made. It's we'll Christmas. We'll understand. Yeah, we'll understand. I, I, I was inside when they were shooting. Okay. So. Oh, I cannot wait. And we, oh, I just can't wait. We, we may just have to <laughs> bing you in because we do a Hallmark Christmas movie episode mm-hmm. every, like, where two of my expert friends come in and we talk sure. all Christmas movies for a whole show during our 12 days of Christmas. We just may, you may have to be our phone a friend <laughs> if we have to call in, a, if we have any questions. Yeah. If you go to Jenna, Jenna posted quite a few things on, on her Instagram. Okay. So, yeah. So. She's lovely. We should have her on here too. Okay. 
Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Tyler to let you know about another one of our sponsors, Ancestry Health. Most of us are familiar with how you can learn about your family history and origins through Ancestry DNA, but the advanced testing technology of Ancestry Health will help you understand what health risks could be passed down from one generation to the next in your family. I find this fascinating. Your inherited health risks don't have to stay unknown. With Ancestry Health, you can learn if you are at a lower or higher risk for some commonly inherited conditions linked to breast cancer or colon cancer, heart disease. The kit comes in the mail with everything you need to send back your sample, even includes the little return shipping label and really clear instructions. So I found it super easy to complete it in just a few minutes here at the office, actually, and then just dropped it back in the mailbox. We really believe in taking good care of ourselves here at That Sounds Fun. You know that. And having the right information and knowing your risk factors is an important part of that. I'm not going to spill any ancient Downs family secrets, but I'm really grateful for the information that I have now that allows me to make well-informed choices thanks to Ancestry Health. And Ancestry Health can help you make smarter health decisions too. Find out what your DNA says about genetic risk with Ancestry Health. Just head to Ancestry.com slash TSF, like that sounds fun, to get your Ancestry kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash TSF. And now back to the show. Great. So you're in a Lifetime Christmas movie. Let's talk about your viral video. Right. It's called Before You Call the Cops. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw it in a viral way like everyone else, and I was like, hold on. (laughs) That's not a stranger. (laughs) That's Tyler, who I know in Nashville that goes to our church. Yeah. How long have you been at Crosspoint? Um, gosh, seven years maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah that's about me too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you were you came? I mean, we were over at the old building, right? No, Did you I started the new building. I started the new building. Okay. So I'm horrible with how long I've been places. Yes, no, you're I'm right. I'm seven-ish years. I think we moved in. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And so when I saw that video and I shared it, I was like, "Hey, everybody!" When he talks about teaching Sunday school, <laughs> he is not making that. He up. is not. I know right. he does that. Right. Um, so did you see it in 2018 or did you see no, it this year? I just saw it this year. Okay. So you made it in 2018, and it had a viral run in 2018, but then it really blew up in 2020. Well, right? you know how we talk about you're like I've never had something go viral. Yeah. And it would be you don't know if you want it to. Yeah. In 2018. Um, so I started the Tyler Merritt Project in 2018. Yes, thinking, will you explain what that is? Okay, so p- to put it simply, we were coming out of a lot of things having to do with racial tension, and I was noticing online that you could segregate, like so much segregation was happening online, basically. Yep. And because of how things work, if you are super right-wing, you can live in your right-wing world and never talk to anybody else. Yep. If you're Christian, you can live with all your Christian friends and whatever. Gay, straight, you can, you know, but because of where all the places that I had kind of been in my life to a point, I had all this random group of people, like from all over the place. Yeah. So if I put something on social media, I would have tons of people respond from everywhere, right? Sure. From all over. Yeah. And so this was not too long after Philando Castile was was murdered. Mm-hmm. I, I said, I had an idea understanding that everybody on the bottom level of who they are want to you want to laugh Mm -hmm. you want to be seen you want to be loved you want to be known and you want to know that you're important Mm -hmm. right with that baseline i thought to myself if i can begin to communicate content that has humor to it that has a true some grace to it that has some love to it that has all these things to it possibly i can create content that 
many a people would be able to break out of their segregated worlds and kind of all connect to. Yeah, right? that makes sense. So I launched Tyler Mary Project in 2018 with a few videos. And okay. I thought to myself, if by the end of 2018, if I could have 6,000 people who were like, I That's would love cute. to see something. And I really meant that. I was yeah. like, if I, if I could get 6,000 views on a video by the end of the year, I will feel like I accomplished. Because yeah. you know how difficult it is to just go, here's some content, oh let me gosh. put it in this yes. world, right? Yes. And so I decided to create Tyler Merritt Project. I did a video called The Nine Things Black People Need to Know If They Go to a Pleds Preds playoff game or something. Oh, fine. Right? I just started creating stuff. And that video got quite a few, like 100,000 yeah. views. And I was like, this is a little weird. Yeah. And then I um, I did a couple other videos. Then I did Before You Call the Cops. Yep. I went to bed. I, I, I posted it on a Friday. Went to bed. Woke up on Saturday and went, oh, a handful of people reviewing this. And then on Monday, the Huffington Post called me. Oh, And wow. went, hey, about this video. And this is 2018. Yeah. At the time, though, I didn't have any of my personal stuff locked down. Like, my right. Facebook page was completely open. My my personal Facebook page. Yeah. My Instagram, I was kind of sort of on it, because, I, but I wasn't really using Insta for a time, Mary Project. Yeah. Everything was just very loose and open. And in about three, I mean, it went from, it, it got like 10 million views in a, like a week, my right? Gosh. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it, it, that's nuts. You know how, if a million people see something Anything. you do, yes. that's a, that your life gets a little weird. Right. 10 million people viewing something in a very small amount of time. Yes. I was waking up and I would have DMs from people in China or or and all your stuff's open. So all my stuff can is open. Yikes. And in in at and in 2018, I also thought to myself, I'm Nutella. I can make everybody happy. Oh, like I really right. was like responding to everybody. Yeah. I was reading all the comments. I was like, oh, I can answer that. Yeah. And before you knew it, and it was just me just going, you know, before I knew it, it became super overwhelming. And to be really, really honest with you too, I wasn't in the best of places probably about seven months or so before that. I would I was living my life kind of loosely. Yeah. And I was living kind of like, whatevs. And I think when you tend to be irresponsible with your lifestyle choices, that can catch up to you too, mm. you know? And then suddenly you're on the front of you know, people are seeing you everywhere. And I had people come out of the woodworks that were awesome and people coming out of the woodworks that were not. Yes. And then I had, check this out. This is something that is kind of underestimated because in the video I say, I pray for our president. Yes. I don't hate our president. I, I pray, pray for, for him. him. Yeah. I had a ton of like super right wing people that were like, hey, so it sounds like you're a fan of Trump. Would you be our black spokesperson for dot, 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 dot? Oh, like they wow. were coming at me going, will you represent? But also on the super duper left, I had black people, black, my people, yeah. that were angry at me going, you don't need to, to humanize yourself for people. And how dare you do that? So there was this wide spectrum of like. <laughs> You're like, I thought it was Nutella. Right. I was like, I'm Switzerland, homies. I'm vegetarian. Right. I'm vegetarian. <laughs> this is so meat driven, you know. Right. So all of that to say in 2018, I was ill prepared. Yeah. Of then course. I disappeared for two years, Annie. Yeah. Because when the when this one happened. We, I wasn't on social media. You weren't media. on social media. Anymore. Wow. I had written it off. Yeah. Not, uh, let me be clear. I had taken a little break that turned into a longer break that turned into a, my life is great without knowing what people are doing in that world. I know. I and feel then, that too, Tyler, when I take breaks. Man. And then I did a, I, it was right before George Floyd. Yeah. 
right before remember Amy Cooper, I believe is her name is. She's the girl who was in New York who like looked at the bird watcher guy and was yes. like, I'm and calling yelled the at cops. Him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. About a week before that, talk about like God's timing and providence. And so I had completely written all this stuff off. Yeah. COVID happened. I had had an idea that I wanted to do for myself, a video idea that I wanted to do for me. Yeah. And I had been thinking about this for a while because I walk all the time in Nashville. And so this, I, I created this video, came back to my apartment, looked at it and was like, man, this is a lot better than I thought. Like, this is kind of impactful. Yeah. And so I sent it to a couple of my friends. Then I sent it to my friend um, named Joy Reed. She works over at MSNBC. Mm-hmm. I texted her and she was like, yo, you need to put that out. And I was like, as you know, I currently have no way to put it out. Yeah. And she was like, no, you really need to put this out. Yeah. But I was not aware. I was ill aware. Yeah. Of what was going on. So I went and put this video out on a Wednesday. I finally was like, forget it. I'll just, I need to put this out. I'm going to go back on and just put this thing out. Yeah. I put it out like Wednesday afternoon. I went to my house, made some coffee, chilled for a little bit, came back, and there were like a thousand views. And it only been like a few minutes. It was yeah. weird. And I was like, okay. And then it occurred to me. I didn't. I had no idea before you called the cops was going viral again. Oh, Zero idea. Oh wow! So now, when I put this out, George Floyd happens. Yeah. Amy comes along. Yeah. Suddenly now there's this focus on social justice again. Here's this video before you call the cops that comes out, and this other video that I put out called the playlist. Yeah. Now I have two videos going viral simultaneously. Haven't oh been online gosh. for two years. I put these two videos out. This video is getting viewed new. So yeah. people are going, this is a new thing that Tyler did after Before You Call the Cops. And then over here, they're going, people hadn't seen it. So this video that had 20-something million views ends up having 60 million views. Yeah, I was going to ask you because the internet, could, I tried to do research today, and nobody knows how many views. There's and a crazy that, number. And that's just, there's, I don't keep the numbers because I just, it's, this time around, I, I am not Switzerland. I do not, mm. I don't read the comments. Good. I have somebody who handles a lot of my social media stuff in the sense of if they see something last night someone last night i posted something to the effect of killing cops is wrong too yes i saw it it was right. really beautiful i was like killing yeah. cops is wrong too this isn't rocket science just stop shooting people yes and somebody came along and posted something completely asinine and, mm-hmm. and somebody who helps me with on my online stuff yes. went and got it before i yeah. could even see it yeah. and that's the life i need to leave now Dude, like i'm not trying too. to fix everybody but I will talk to a lot of people offline, especially if their hearts are right. Mm-hmm. All that to say, I came back into this before you call the cops, and it had a whole nother impact. And when you do social justice videos or when you do videos that have to do with social change, this, it's this weird place, Annie. You're creating content that you hope one day doesn't have to exist. Yeah, right. So for me to create a video two years ago that goes viral again two years later, there's a part of me that was like, Ugh. Here we go again. Yeah. Like, I wish we didn't have, I wish people didn't want to watch this again. Exactly. Yeah. I wish to, I would much rather go and do a spot on a Hallmark movie <laughs> and just be cool with it. Right. That. I'm calling Candace Cameron Beret after this <laughs> and getting you on a Hallmark movie. It's happening. Yeah. I know. I, I hadn't thought about that, that there is some, there's mourning to and sadness to this video still matters today. Was it encouraging at all that more people wanted to see it? Was it encouraging that there's more conversation or no? Um, there's there's a difference between encouraging and weird. Okay. This time around, it got weird. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so the but, internet's weird. The internet's weird. So in <laughs> in 2018, it 
it was big because there was 25, you know, it was, there were a lot of, and that was just, yeah. and when I say 25 million views, I'm talking just on Facebook. That doesn't count. Oh my gosh. That was, yeah. That, when I say views, I'm just talking on Facebook. So like, it could be hundreds. No, like, so there's 60 million views now on Facebook by itself. That doesn't include Twitter. That doesn't include Instagram. And there's all these other people who have pulled it. Pulled it. And are just re-showing it. It's, so who it's can nuts. even know? Right. Yeah. So I, when I say a number, I'm talking about just on Facebook because yeah. I can and people still that. think you're Derrick Henry from the Titans. <laughs> right, so right, exactly, fine. exactly. <laughs> but um, what's what's interesting about it this time around is because I was on on. Remember, I wasn't. Re- in fact, yeah. I didn't come back on Insta. Like I still didn't bring my Instagram account up until like almost a month into the video yes. coming back. Right, because so, I was looking for you. Right, and I was wasn't like, there. He's not anywhere. <laughs> but what? Let me. You know what was happening on Instagram? Stevie Wonder, uh, not Stevie Wonder, um, Lionel Richie, his daughter, Hillary and Swank and I have become really good friends. I see she comments <laughs> on things. I'm like, I need Tyler to pump the we brakes. Become like, He's friends with Hillary We've become text buddy because on Insta, this whole other life was happening. Yeah. You follow me? Like yeah. this whole other life was happening on Instagram that I was completely unaware. So yeah. people were sending me screenshots going, yo, bro, um... Um, you know, um, Grace from Will and Grace, uh, she just reposted your video, and here's a <laughs> yeah. screenshot. Yeah. And then, of course, Jimmy Kimmel picked it up. Yeah. Right? And Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy and I have become friends, too. Wow. Which is just crazy. I mean, what influence you have over influencers? It's been insane. Yeah. But, but what's great, though, is all of these people I really think are interested in elevating black voices. Yeah. And because of that, I just happen to be in a in a place at this moment right mm. and so after well you don't have to say just happened to be because the lord obviously trusts you with it 100 so. and and i will tell you this who i was in 2018 i was not ready for this in 2018 really no the two years that i was off social media was like my wilderness i had huh. to do a lot of i had to do a lot of forgiving myself i had to do a lot of dealing with who i needed to be and who i was wanting to be and and just kind of coming back to a place again where feeling like my voice still mattered. Because mm. I, I got to a place, there was a place in that year, two-year break where I was really feeling like, I don't even know if I have the value to 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 speak to people anymore, wow. you know? Yeah. And, like, the Lord stopped me and was like, yo, you are not created to worry, you were not created to fear. Wow. I created you to worship daily, and you need to go out and do the darn thing. Mm. And I, I, I mean, I gotta be real. My brand of Christianity is not for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. In that, I, I live very, 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 very close to the line of loving everybody, and I really feel that way. Like I stand very strongly to. What, Tyler, do you think is the most important part of the Bible? And to me, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love God and love your neighbors. Yeah. I stick to that in a way that is not always popular to people. Right. Isn't that surprising how much it makes people uncomfortable? It makes people wildly uncomfortable to love people. It made me uncomfortable at, at times in my life, too. I mean, Annie in her 20s, Annie in her 30s. Oh, my I mean, goodness. Yeah. R- right, right. Yeah. And I came in, t- I haven't been a Christian all my life. So, you know, you deal with a lot of guilt as a Christian. You deal with a, you deal with so many things. You deal with, I should have it right by now. Mm-hmm. You have been a Christian your whole life or you have I have not. Have I have not. not. Okay. I have not. So you deal with a lot of things that, I, 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 
again, I talk about this in the project I'm working on. Um, <laughs> we'll have you back when that project yes, is a project which, which we can you know will, more about. Love. Um, Don't worry. I talk about how, on some levels, God compli- God can complicate your life if you're not a Christian. He can complicate your life in a way. I'll just use this as an example. Okay. When I was in high school, growing up in Las Vegas, I had a ton of Mormon friends. Mm-hmm. Okay? ton of Mormon friends. Utah's right next to Las Vegas. Mormons, ton of them in my high school. I became a Christian in high school. Came, found Jesus. Once I came to find out who this Jesus is of the Bible, suddenly I became, suddenly Mormons kind of were my enemy a little bit. Suddenly mm-hmm. they weren't just people that were nice, kind people who wanted me to come and eat at their really cool church on between lunch and get pizza. Yeah. Suddenly I f- my teenage year self was wait a minute teams. yeah we're on different teams mm. there wasn't a team before annie yeah that's <laughs> you, you you follow me yeah. that's even just that small example that that tiny concept of how my life got complicated when jesus came along yeah i also suddenly dealt with guilt in a way that i had never dealt with before <laughs> sure. jesus came along and was like oh man this feels different mm. but it wasn't l- let me be clear now that i'm older Jesus did not create us to be guilty. Right. I talk about it in in a video where I talk about white guilt for mm-hmm. this thing I do. I do this thing called um, I Take My Coffee Hashtag Black, which yes. is just little segments. And we can and, watch those on. Those are on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. You can watch it on Facebook. It's probably easiest to watch on Instagram. So when I talk about – there's one I do on white guilt. And I talk about how guilt is such a useless thing. And when it comes to – this moment, as we walk through this social justice time period, what I really do con- consider a new modern era of walking through social justice, it's cool to look back into who you are. It's cool to look back and go, I understand the black story. I understand how um, racism works historically. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, black people are not rooting for your guilt. We want you to put down your guilt and be brave. Mm-hmm. We need your bravery way more than we need your guilt right now. Right. And I feel the same way when it comes to walking with the Lord. I, I can't imagine serving a Jesus that is going, I need you to go sit over in that corner for a while and really feel bad about mm-hmm. what you did. Mm-hmm. And you deal with it on however you need to do deal with it, but you just feel bad. And I'll let you know how, need, how long you need to feel bad in that corner. Mm. That... That's not the Jesus I know. And weirdly enough, that can be complicated for some people. Yeah. I stand next to love in a way that it, it, that people that follow me on social media oftentimes are like, dude, how can you do this? And I'll be honest with you, too. I don't shout out Jesus in all of my posts. I don't shout out being a Christian in everything that I do. Right. And there's a couple reasons for that. There are a lot of people that follow me that are not believers. Mm-hmm. And... Not only do I respect, I have a lot of people, friends that are Muslim. I, I have a lot of people who just don't follow Christ at all. But for me to assume that they can't love because they don't know the love that I know, mm-hmm. that's not the world I live in. I believe that you can love 
wherever you are and whoever you are. And I need you to be able to love. Mm -hmm. I need you to be able to love because I really do believe that that is the key to so much of the stuff that we're going on right now. If that we had more empathy, if we had more love, if we had more understanding, then... Understanding is the thing that I'm like, can we just not try to understand each other? (laughs) Can we just try? (laughs) But uh, do do you realize how difficult it is, Annie, just for myself as a black person, just to get people to believe my story? Just that part. Yeah. Like you can come on this podcast and you can tell a story about when I was 16, I did this, that, whatever. And nobody on, and no one's going to listen. They're going to listen and go, ha, 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 that was fantastic. Uh-huh. That's a great story, Annie. I can sit down across from somebody and go, so I was over off of Old Hickory Boulevard and I got pulled over by a police officer. And he told me that the reason why I'm pulling you over is because your window tint is too dark. So I'm going to need, I need to pull you over just to make sure that you know that your window tint is too dark. And I, I, I'm going, bro, I specifically, I'm not going to say this to him because I don't, I like my life, but I I don't say, I'm going, I made sure when I got this car that my tint was official and bro, this is not the first time I've been pulled over. And the excuse was, my tent is too dark. Let's just keep it 100. Like, something was a little fishy here. But me trying to, to to tell you that story that that's happened to me multiple times, I can tell that to somebody, and they may say to me, but yeah, but really, what did the cop really say? Or or do you really... I'm going, dude, This is. I'm just telling you my experience as a black man walking on this earth. And the fact that I have to try to convince you to believe my story is exhausting in itself. Right. I'm just trying to get you to believe that the experience that I live is actually true. Do you realize how exhausting that is? That alone? No. Yeah. So all that to say, <laughs> I know that's made it sound like I'm asking you. Do you realize, no. Annie? <laughs> no, no, no. I need I you just, to answer now. I, the no. honest truth is I don't know. I, I was thinking. I was honestly thinking. I was like, well, there are times where explaining my experience as a woman to men, I kind of have to go, you, do you not understand that I can't leave a grocery store without looking? I don't get in my car without looking under my car. Yo. And that, and that and sometimes, so I feel that. So my answer is no, I don't understand. But I do have one story. But you know what I think is great though, and I think that this is, man. Sometimes, and I mean this respectfully. <laughs> oh, are you about to? <laughs> sometimes, some listen. Sometimes white people are their worst enemies, uh-huh. and this is what I mean by that. Like me telling you that story about people not being able to believe me. Mm-hmm. Then you saying, I as a woman kind of have a similar experience. Believe me when I tell you, I will have white advocates who will come on, say they were listening to this, will come along and go, but your experience is not the same, Annie. You don't need to take your experience and, and, and activate it with the experience of a black person. That's not what you were doing right there. Right. Right. And, and I, but as I did a black feel that person, nervousness. Even as it started to say it, I was like, I mean, this I is... know. But listen, that thing that you're feeling. Sure. Listen, all black people are not monolithic. We're not monolithic. Right. We're, sure. we're there's so many. But I would argue to say many of black people are able to go. Right. I understand that you being a woman is not the same experience, but you being a woman is an experience I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is there are some things about me you just don't understand. And there's some things about you I just don't understand. But I'm not going to take the validity away from your story because it's something that I don't understand. So though it is not the same thing, this is how you find empathy for my story. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we won't even get started on how complicated I feel like it is to be a woman, let alone a black woman. 
I come from a very, very strong mother. Yes, your video says, if you met my mom, you'd be a better person. And you would. Yeah. You would. Where does she live now? She's in Las Vegas. Okay. So her and my dad are still happily married. How yeah. they made it this far, I don't know. Cause I mean, listen. They, How? Right. They could film a reality show with them bickering about each other, but it ain't I'm nothing but love. also going to mention that to Candace Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get them on Hallmark. <laughs> but with that, all, all that to say, I, got to, I get to watch the story of my mother growing up. Mm-hmm. Not just as a black woman, but just as a woman. Mm-hmm. She's an incredible businesswoman now in Las Vegas. Yeah. She would say this, and I and I do not mean this. I, I mean this respectfully. I, so please don't. If my if my mother had different body parts, her journey would have been a whole lot easier. Right. Right. And she'll she'll say, and I watch that. Mm-hmm. So I, I am a feminist to my core, probably almost <laughs> to a fault. <laughs> well, I just think it's so. I mean. If there's one hope I have with with my friends who are on the other side of this is I, none of us are here to change minds, blah, blah, sure, blah. Sure, we understand sure, sure. election, blah, blah, blah. But I but I am a big, big advocate of can we try to understand? Right. Can we listen to stories and try to understand, at least recognize that we don't know? Because even you posting this week about policemen, I'm like, yes, I don't understand that life either. Right. And I don't understand and they don't want to come on a podcast. Yeah. Because it's their job. And, you know, I've... Right. We've made asks and we, you know, so... Right, right. And and so then you go like, I don't understand y'all, your point of view either. Right. So how do we... So here's my question to you, Tyler. As faith people, how do we find understanding we don't have? What does it look like? Is it just Holy Spirit putting putting love in our hearts for people that aren't like us? I, 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 okay, I'll say it's spiritual as... If we're talking specifically as believers, I think as, as, as simple as this sounds, we look at the examples of Jesus. We look mm-hmm. at who Jesus was. We, we find the fact that Jesus spent so much of his time trying to convince, especially in his adult life, like the end parts of his life, he spent so much of his time trying to convince religious people <laughs> that there is so much love in every person and every person is worthy of love. And even though you may see this specific thing streamlined Mm -hmm. and you think, no, this is how it has to be. If you think this is how it has to be, why don't you cast the first stone? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If you think that this is how it has to be, why don't, you speak to this Samaritan who I'm not supposed to be speaking to at all whatsoever for whatever reason, but watch mm-hmm. me do this. Mm-hmm. If you think that this is how it's supposed to be, there's so many examples of Jesus going, you don't think I'm supposed to be here, but look where I am. Uh, that is exactly right. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. And I would argue to say most of the times when you find people going, you shouldn't be with these people. You probably have to ask yourself, is maybe that exactly where I'm supposed to be? Mm. Now, let's be clear. I'm not saying be unsafe or put yourself in situations that don't make sense. I'm really more saying, yo, there are times in our lives. Let me say this, Annie. People forget Martin Luther King was a preacher. Mm-hmm. People forget that part. I have to explain that to a lot of people. They'll say, yeah, you know, Martin Luther King found his way that he really made an impact. Look at him. I'm like, Martin Luther King was in the church, man. Right, right. You you have to understand, and oh man, black church, check it. 
There is no social justice department in the black church. We oftentimes, and I go to a predominantly white church, Mm -hmm. there's no separation between social justice and um, church in the black church. The black church was born on social justice. The black church was born on black people trying to move forward. Think about the weight that black pastors had to carry. They had to carry dealing with individuals being lynched, with parents, with a parents losing their children. They had to deal with racism for themselves and trying to protect their lives. They had to play psychologists. They had to play therapists. They had to play pastor. They had to play love and educator. They had to play just simply trying to talk to people about Jesus. There was no separation. The, George Floyd yeah. is not dying on Friday. And in a black church, they're not getting a committee together trying to figure out how much time what they're to going to devote <laughs> to their service on Sunday. Right. You're right. You know what I'm saying? That's not a committee meeting that's taking place there going. So and if we talk about this, do we also need to talk about this? I say that to say when we begin to talk about the heart of Christ as believers, sometimes we attempt to make Jesus's story just our story. Mm. Sometimes we take the story of Jesus and just attach it to who we are as people. And we can't always break through and see if Jesus changed my life, how did he change yours? How did he change yours? And when you look at a black believer who loves Jesus as much as you do, you have to know that in that Jesus story, there's probably some social justice in there as well. Hmm. There's people like me who trust me, man. If anybody, we can talk transparency about understanding brand, right? I've become known online as an individual who jumps on and talks about love. Yeah. Who talks about unifying people. Who talks about explaining. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. When I wake up and I flip over and I say, oh, this guy was just shot seven times in the back. I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And not just kind of angry, Annie. I'm pissed. I want to punch a wall. I want to scream things that my mom would not be proud about. Mm -hmm. I want to text my black brothers and go, yo, what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. But then I have to take a moment, sit back with the God that I know and go, Lord, what do you want in this? And that's my Jesus story. And then I don't go out on social media at that point and go, had a talk with Jesus today and we decide that we're going to love. No, I come on and I instead say, just don't shoot people. I'm going to pray for these people. And I hope you do too. Yesterday with the post that I put out, um, black woman who's a follower of mine came and she posted, yeah, that's cool that you're praying for um, cops, but they aren't posting up praying. They aren't, I don't see posts about I'm praying for George Floyd. I'm, I'm not going to pray for them. And Somebody immediately, a friend of mine who's a white friend of mine, I don't know if that necessarily matters, but she came along and she was like, hey, but we do need to pray for them and blah, 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 blah. And I went and I posted and I was like, yo, it's okay if you're not there. It's okay if you're not there yet. It's okay if you never get there. We're all walking through our own journeys right now as black people on how we're walking through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I just happen to be in the place as a believer where... um, Grace and love is my default. Because grace and love is my default, I tend to, I don't always make people happy with that. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I don't get angry. That doesn't mean that I don't get pissed. That just means that I walk with a God that um, has to check me here and there because Lord knows 
if he can forgive me, then I have to be able to find in myself to forgive other people. I have to be able to find in myself to understand other people's mistakes. If he can do that for me, I can't not do that for people who maybe at the world standard don't deserve it. So I, as a believer, that's how I walk through it. Is it the perfect math? No. But that's how I can uh, keep relatively sane in 2020. Hey, friends, just interrupting our conversation with Tyler to remind you what a great food blogger I am. Well, you know. My friends at Freshly sure do make me feel like I could be a great food blogger. They understand that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple. Because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I won't do it. I mean, how long did I have an Instant Pot before I used it, you guys? And if it doesn't taste good, I won't want it. With Freshly, you can avoid all the time spent wandering the aisles at the grocery store and simply enjoy fully prepared dinners delivered fresh, not frozen, right to your door. I don't know about you, but I am here for food that comes to my door. The chefs and nutritionists at Freshly do all the hard work. Thank you, chefs and nutritionists, so that all you have to do is heat it up for three minutes and dinner is ready. You can choose from recipes like Better For You Golden Oven Fried Chicken, (laughs) y'all, creamy springtime risotto, and fall apart tender beef brisket. And those are only a few of their health-conscious options. Give me some more brisket in my life. Yes. Join almost one and a half million satisfied customers and skip the shopping, prepping, cooking, and cleanup. Freshly is offering our friends $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash sounds fun. Again, that's Freshly.com slash sounds fun. And now back to a great part of the conversation with Tyler Merritt. The thing the world doesn't see in your life or in any of our lives, the things we don't see are the six hours of you handling that with the Lord or however long. But I'm just like, nobody sees the wrestling that happens. Can, can I, uh, let me tell you, right now, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but right now we- Thursday. Oh, well, all right. Next week. Hey, Thursday. Yeah. Right now, we just dealt with two LA police officers who were shot. Yeah. While they were while sitting, sitting in their, in their car, car. Yeah. Just sitting in the car. Came along and and someone came along and shot them. Before I say anything else, say, let me say that's horrific. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. That I can't even possibly imagine the stakes as to to what being a police officer is and that happening to you, and then being a cop in L.A. and having to go to work the next yeah. shift. Yeah. Like I can't even possibly a policeman's wife or the husband. policeman's wife. Uh, yeah. Right yeah. now, that happened on I believe Saturday night, Saturday, and then I post about it yesterday mm-hmm. okay it took me a good 40 48 hours to come to figure out what i was going to say about it publicly because i knew people were going to want me to say something about it because i will tell you right now if another black man had been shot i would have said something about it mm-hmm. and i wasn't about to be that dude that was going to go here's this other injustice that is horribly wrong and i'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. and i was going to say something but can i tell you the thought process that i had through that yeah i would i'm very interested to hear that yo I thought the same thing the girl thought that posted. I thought, I'm not seeing a ton of my police officer friends posting about, yo, let's talk about Jacob Blake and praying for his family. I'm not seeing any of my cops friends Mm -hmm. posting that. I am seeing my cop friends arguing about how right those police officers were and how wrong he was. Mm -hmm. Real honest conversation that Mm -hmm. I have with myself. 
if you these want two, to. I'm I know. I'll be on it. I'm just, I don't want to scare any of your listeners off. But I hope at this point they hear my heart. As a black man, some of the things that I walk through. I went, what, so is someone going to release their um, history, their their history, like, have they ever been in trouble with the law before? Mm-hmm. No one's going to go, have have those officers done anything to the black community in which someone would want want vengeance for? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think to, I didn't say to myself, we need to release their history of black, vi- black on, cop on, black crime. Mm-hmm. Like, my thought process wasn't, how do we justify their killing? How... They surely they did something wrong to deserve that. I didn't go there. But what I did start to think to myself was, if I'm watching this and my initial gut reaction is to be like, yo, that stuff's wrong. People dying, people being shot and being killed, and they're still alive. So they they weren't killed, thank God. Mm -hmm. But how they were shot was horrible. If I'm sitting here, I look at that and go, that's just wrong. My heart automatically goes, that just wrong is wrong. And I didn't think to go to all the other things that happen when a black man gets shot and justifying like, and, and I know it's different. Hear me. I know it's different in the course of you have people that are attempting to protect the law, this side or the other. It took me some a while to, to reconcile what I was going to say. I had a moment, Annie, where I was going, I don't know if I want to say anything because mm-hmm. I don't feel like. Police officers are jumping out and saying, yo, we individual police officers. I'm talking like police officers I follow on social media mm-hmm. aren't coming along and going, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And, and per, perhaps they can't because of their job. And I get that. But now me as a human being, I'm as a black man, the fact that I even feel this tension of wanting to talk about these two cops being shot because there's a part of me with my black community where I'm looking at my black community and I almost feel like I have to go, hey guys, we all we all know ain't none of us happy that these black cops that these cops are shot. None of us are happy about this. Right. But I understand if you're not out here trying to chop at the bitch all of a sudden trying to talk about how much their lives matter when you don't feel like it's reciprocated that way. Mm-hmm. And I had this thought process for for a couple of days. And I also had this other process thought process too, anywhere I thought, I do not have the time or energy for me to post this and have a white person come on to one of my posts and say something like, that's the problem with you black people, or I'm sure there's that somebody from a riot, or trying to then, I just- You still I, have the energy for it. I just don't have the energy for it, man. Yeah. I just don't have the energy for it. Yeah. But what my what was going on in my heart is I was praying for those two individuals and their families. Yeah. And I really felt like I don't want anybody to be shot. And that's yeah. what I ended up saying, whether right or wrong. But where it, that's the thing I want us to start giving permission to each other. And you're doing it with your life, but also here, is let's give each other permission to say the things- even if we're not experts. Sure, <laughs> like sure. What we, this isn't going to change. Our culture isn't going to change unless, and, and even, let's talk baseline, someone sharing the gospel. Right. If you feel like you have to be a professional to share the gospel, you're never going to share the gospel. Right, never. If you feel like you have to be a professional to talk about social justice, you're never going to talk about social justice. If you feel like you're a prof- you're, you can only step into this conversation, if you're going to say everything right, you're never going to step into it. Right. 
And so people like you are modeling for us. I'm doing the best I can. And that's what, I mean, I'm not doing all this right. I get yelled at a lot by everybody (laughs) where where, where, uh, uh, both, both white people and black people and men and women will say, I'm doing this wrong. And I, I am doing some of it wrong, but my other option is to wait till I'm a professional and I'm just never going to be a professional of being a human. And let's be really clear too about what silence means to black people. What silence means, if, if you are silent in the midst of that, you are, you are on so many levels of black people, no different than the loudest voice in the room. Mm. Your silence screams as loud as the loudest person in the room. And I will tell you why. If you do not think black people see you go, let me tell you about this fantastic bread recipe. (laughs) Let me show you all of the details of this fantastic bread recipe. On the same day while I'm sitting in my house going, you are aware that they just choked out a black dude on the side of the street, right? Mm -hmm. And And you're talking about your bread? I get it. Sure, bread is important. But you not acknowledging the thing that is at the core of my being in our community right now, mm-hmm. not even acknowledging it, yeah. speaks something to me. That alone says something because a, I don't know where you lie in all of this, and right now I need to know who I need to know who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Right now I need to know who's on my side. Right now I need to know who's an advocate. And I, I just want to take this moment to say this: this isn't tricky, okay? I'm aware that there are a lot of people, a lot of listeners that live in certain areas where they don't have people of color in their world, mm-hmm. right? And that's fair. If I'll use Tennessee, for example, Nashville, for example. If you live in the deep heart of Franklin and you live in a certain area where you don't see that many black people, mm-hmm. when I say to you, get some people of color in your life, you see that as a challenge. You go, I go to a mostly white church. My kids go to a mostly white school. The entirety of my community is white. That is a privilege that most black people don't have, okay? And unless we're talking about some sort of lower economic status of some point where there's a community of, but look, black people do not have, I'm going to run into white people everywhere I go. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I'm going to see white people. I mean, you walked in this office. And a lot of, a lot of beautiful white girls. A lot of beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you are watching this podcast or you listen to this podcast, <laughs> If you're ever curious to where the most beautiful people in the world are, they work for Annie. God. It's just crazy. It's nuts in there. Uh, but with, with that being said, I don't, I don't have the privilege not to know to some not white interact people. With people of other, yeah. So, yeah. I, I when I say it's simple, I'm saying if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have whatever, find some people of color, and if that means. That on one of your Sundays that you typically go to your all-white church, you decide to go to a black church instead. Take your family to a black church. Okay. And let me tell I'm telling you right now, black people are not gonna go, what are you doing here? They're gonna go, okay. Okay. Oh, I see you. Come. Yeah. Be a part of this. In that community, start to build some some and then find some safe people that are okay hearing your questions, hearing your voice, and unleash 
all of the ignorant white stuff that you are afraid to say. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? And I don't yeah. mean that. And I mean that ignorant, not stupid. I mean that in a literal sense. Yeah, of Things not knowing. Things that you may not say what know. what you don't know. Yep. Find yourself. Now, let me be really clear, too. There are a lot of people out there that are just exhausted and are tired of tr- trying to teach white people what to That's do and right. what to say, right? That's why we have people like Tasha Morrison, who've written books. She runs Be the Bridge. Exactly. She's, but, vo- she's volunteered with her life. Right. But you also have people <laughs> that are not just professionals, but are just next door. Yeah. Oh, or, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That are willing to go, you come out and sit on the porch and go ahead and I need you to talk to me about some of this stuff that mm-hmm. you are thinking you're going to go post on social media. Yeah. There was a meme going around for a while with Martin Luther King that was only being posted by white people mm-hmm. that was basically saying something to the effect of he didn't riot, he didn't rally, he didn't, he was completely nonviolent and he changed the world. And it was in reference to people that were looting, right? Yeah. And Black people weren't using this. Yeah. Because black people were thinking, you killed him too. That, right? His own daughter. That, that, her, she tweeted that. Like, don't yeah. sit down and talk to a black person before you just assume you can take a figure or an idea or a concept and mm-hmm. you think you know what black people know. Mm-hmm. People listening to this podcast right now, granted, they love you and are fans of you. And if you didn't know a black person was going to be on, surprise! But- <laughs> <laughs> they are surprised. Uh-huh. But, uh, I, I'm just kidding. But w- w- listening and taking the moment to listen and the fact that you have chosen to amplify black voices, that stuff matters. But even more so than podcasts, I invite people to seek out black people. Don't get creepy out in the middle of the street during COVID and go, hey, man, can I be my friend, black man? You know what I'm saying? But but it could be just as simple of if you keep running into the same person at the yeah. grocery store, yeah. every same person in your community at the grocery store that you keep running into, yeah. it's okay to say, hey, I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And that makes a difference, Annie. That stuff changes things. It's, and I talk about this on one of the hashtag blacks. As soon as your proximity changes, when you get people into your proximity, your opinion on people switches drastically. Mm-hmm. It's very, very dif- difficult to have a group. I'm just going to use this example. It's it's very difficult to have a group of white people go, have you seen what those black people are doing? Mm-hmm. And you're a white person over here with like three black friends and going, yeah, I see what all these black people are doing. Mm-hmm. I see it every day. Mm-hmm. It it changes things when you suddenly have people in your proximity and trying to stress how important that is. Uh, I cannot inst- I can't stress that enough. It feels like what we, I mean, going back to what you said about Jesus, when he would eat with people. I, I think about that story where he's eating at a Pharisee's house and a and a prostitute comes in and, and Jesus is kind to her in front of him and. Actually, Jesus put all his disciples in that situation over and over. So maybe I'm here. I'm thinking this for the first time. Maybe Jesus kept putting even his disciples in the proximity of people they didn't understand before they knew him. Preach. Right? Knowing that he was going to be gone. This is going to be what you're going to have to do. This, I'm going to leave and you're going to have to do this. So I'm going to put you in their proximity now so that you love now and watch me love now so that when I'm gone... And while you're here, mm-hmm. watch how people come to me and tell tell me that this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. Because— That guy never stopped working. Jesus was right? on the clock 24-7 like, right. for 33 years. My word. <laughs> but, you know, there's something to be said about, about 
believers even, and, and sadly, there's something there's something about believers sometimes not necessarily feeling like um, they can go against the grain yeah. of what other believers are saying or thinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think we we're, we're living in a time period where that sometimes is more important than anything. More important than anything else. I'll just let, I'll, let me say this. I'll say this without getting too deep okay. uh, into the other to the other side. I'm not going to talk about voting, okay. or I'm not going to tell people who they need to vote for or whatever. Okay, <laughs> great. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to because because I, I will tell you this, man. I'm a firm believer in you vote for who you, you yeah. do. You. Okay, yeah. but I will say this: less. It's not quantifiable. It is not quantifiable the percentage of black women that voted Republican in the last election. The percentage of black women who voted Republican in the last election is less than 1%. Hmm. So when someone decides to talk about a certain party as a non-Christian party or people decide to talk about the left as a bunch of people that believe all of these things that are against who Jesus are. Mm -hmm. You were talking about 99.4% of black women. Right. That, yeah, I didn't know that. So if you are a, just know it's not black women who are saying the left is uns- is not spiritual. Mm-hmm. So when we when we begin to do, uh, well, I'll just say this: there are a lot of people that are not black who are saying that um, you have to be a certain thing to be Christian. And what you're doing is you are literally taking the title of Christ, of who Christ is, away mm-hmm. from people when you do something about that. And in this case, quantifiably, 99% of black women, you are saying you are not a follower of Christ if you align here. Yeah. Right? Right. It, when, so, it's, when Jesus is, when the Bible says, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again and you'll be saved? That's it, right? And <laughs> raise a glass, raise as they glass. say in Hamilton. That's you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and, and and I hope you understand how that's not a political statement. No, no, no. no so you. much more is that's a, a statement on identifying people based on what you think is the representation of what Christ is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's why I don't know if you know this about me, but I've spent this year reading the Gospels, and part of it is. I just need Jesus to be the loudest voice. I need to know him, but you're teaching me about him. I've read him every day this whole year, and I've learned about Jesus today, stuff I didn't know. <laughs> so thanks to you. Will you come back and do this again? Uh, so Yes, because I feel like we—I don't even feel like we— if... You need to know there's so many things on my list we did not even touch. So yeah. I'm saving them for when your project is available <laughs> in the future, and you will come back. Thank you for doing this. Of course. I, I want to say this really quick before I go. I'm a huge fan of you, Annie. Oh, thank you. Not only am I a huge fan of what you're what you're doing, I'm a huge fan of the community that you're building. I'm a huge fan of the hope that you bring for so many individuals that are not only listening but that are that are reading your material. I know this is a fact. We oftentimes are not aware of the kind of impact that we actually have because we don't always see it, mm-hmm. right? We don't always get to see it. You're having a monumental impact in this time period by simply not only amplifying voices of color, but um Speaking your heart in a way that is genuine, that is true, that is real, and that is going beyond um, 
just saying Jesus is cool. Mm-hmm. You get to the heart of the matter, and, you're, and because you're real that way, that's making a significant difference. And I want you to know that I see it. You are seen. Mm-hmm. You are appreciated. And um, I thank God for you, man. I really, really do. Thank you. You're that welcome. means a lot. I believe you. And that that will carry me a long time. So thank you. Hey, the last question we, it, we always ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Right. Tell me what you do for fun. <laughs> for the what biggest I, left I, turn in the history of the world. <laughs> what I do for fun or what sounds fun? Uh, you decide. Okay. What sounds fun? What sounds fun right now? I'm gonna t- can I tell you what I do for fun and what sounds yes, fun? Can yes, yes, yes. Do okay. both. Yes. Let me tell you what sounds fun. This sounds crazy mad fun to me. Okay. I would love to get a bunch of people in a room. Okay. Big old, like, Big old room with a bunch of different people. COVID's not around. We have the freedom to do this and have a big countdown. Okay. For like a 10-second countdown. And then as soon as that countdown hits zero, everybody has a hug fest. Like you see how many people you can hug in a certain, like just running around a room and hugging, embracing each other, being like, yes. oh my gosh. I feel like that's what I need right now in my yes. life. Like not going, is it okay to hug you? Right. Or, or are we doing this? Are we, but just going like, yo, oh my gosh. Yes. Just walking around going, I don't even know you, but just embrace me right now. Can party. I tell you how fun that, that sounds to me? That would be so fun. You're right. Like genuinely. Will there be a day on this side of glory? Will there be? Now what I do sure. for fun? Yes. Really? Um, I love food in a way that is not even... You're such a foodie. I know. I, and I'm a vegetarian, so that's not... How do you get uh, enough protein? I, protein's in everything. Okay. Donuts, <laughs> pizza. Pro, you can find protein You'd if you shocked. look for it. You'd be shocked. <laughs> um, for me now, sitting at my house, in front of my television... With lots of food. I'm, like, I'm yeah. talking smorgasbord. Okay. I'm talking, like, some fried ravioli. Okay. Some French fries, maybe. My man, let's <laughs> so go. A salad. I'm talking, like, let's go for it. A little uh-huh. la- a little layout. And I will either take, currently right now, I will take a NBA game. Because yes. we're in the playoffs. Yes. Watching an NBA game and anticipating while I'm going like this. Yes. Or watching a really good series on, like, Netflix, Hulu. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um Anything like that right now, to me, I, I, because of where we are, yes. that really sounds fun to me. Because it means, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Basically, what I'm saying to you, what sounds fun to me is sitting on my butt and watching television. No, you said hugging people. But in the absence of hugging people, I'd like a snack. That's I what like you a said. Snack. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the Titans last night? I couldn't stay up that late. A I, Monday I, night I, game. I'm a late. Are you, go, you go to bed early, yeah, don't you? Yeah, because I yeah. get up early. Yeah. What time do you have people come here? Uh, we come to work at 9. Oh, that's we don't not get that to work bad. Till nine. No, no, no. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm one of those people. Okay. So I watched the game. It was super stressful, by the way. But that's I another saw the score this morning. But my boy Corey Davis had a game. He's yeah. here. It's. I mean, you tell him he's got one year to prove it. <laughs> my man's gonna prove it. I love that guy. Have you met him yet? No, I have not. I'd love to introduce you to him. He's yeah, wonderful. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm so out there all the time. You have a great yeah. job because you literally can be like, come and yes, hang come out with to me. me. Yes. Right. I'm like, <laughs> hopefully, I'll see you out in the streets. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing this. I'm grateful for you. No, thank you. You guys, I am so moved and impacted and changed and thankful for Tyler Merritt. My goodness. I I just feel like 
We got to talk about some real things. I hope you enjoyed it, too. If you get a chance to tell him thanks for being on the show, he's really easy to find on the Internet. We'll link to him here. And you'll just look for the Tyler Merritt Project on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. On Facebook is where he posts a lot of his videos as well and YouTube. So make sure you check him out. Watch some of the other stuff he's made. He's just the best, right? Didn't you just love him? Ugh. Well, if you need anything else from me, friends, you know how to find me. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. What a great week of shows. We'll be back here next week doing it all over again, and I think you're going to love it. So go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I'll do the same. And take care of your neighbors. We'll see you back here on Monday. Monday.